The Russian invasion of Ukraine intensifies as Joe Biden continues to do absolutely nothing. Florida moves to ban abortion and Iowa bans males from competing in women's sports. I'm John Prophet, and this is The John Prophet Show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. Happy Friday to everyone out there. Uh, we finally made it through the week, and it has been one hell of a week with the uh, disastrous um, calamity taking place in Ukraine right now. So because it's Friday, I want to dive right in, get this wrapped up so we can all start enjoying our weekend and uh, at least temporarily block out some of the atrocities that are taking place there in Ukraine, though I'm sure it'll be on all of our minds even through the weekend. 90% of Russian forces have now moved in. Uh, they're more successfully moving in the south. They still have not been able to take Odessa, even though the southern front is moving relatively quickly compared to the northern front uh, and even the eastern front. It's still, they're still, it's still moving extremely slow. They should I mean, it took them, what, nine days to, to capture a, a, a city of a quarter million people right there on the border of Crimea. Uh, and, you know, they still haven't taken any other major cities, including Odessa, even though it's right there. And that's an, another city that is um, a little larger than um, Kyrgyzstan, but it's, you know, much, it's maybe 25% of the size of the capital of Kiev. So it's it certainly, um, you know, there's some good news, there's some bad news, as as it is in, in most days when we, we go into this. And I do want to start off with some of the good news, but also just provide some some of the basic updates. That main northern convoy is still not moving. We don't know why. That's fine. And that's something I've been banging the drum about for days now. Why is that, that convoy not moving? Why do we not have any images from the front of that convoy? What's happening? Are there barricades? Are there are there are there uh, are there tires popped? Or are they are they out of out of fuel? Are they idling? Are they being under attack? Uh, you know, are they just refusing to move forward? What's going on there? We've heard about ten different excuses or or rationale for why that bear or that uh, that that convoy is not moving and we still just don't know. Um, there's a lot of reports recently coming out that, that maybe the Russian soldiers have even, even slashed their own tires to prevent the convoy from moving because they don't want to uh, be engaged in this war. They don't want to kill Ukrainians. They don't want to kill civilians. They don't want to, they want to be home. They don't want to be doing any of this crap. They want their Netflix. They want their to be just on their iPhones. They, they, you know, Russia is a, is a relatively, um, it's, it's a relatively civilized uh, country as, and, and modernized country, and, and they they uh, enjoy a number of the creature comforts that we do here, even though they are um, certainly far poorer than we are here in America. The, you know, they have a lot of things that they, they engage in a lot of things that we do as far as uh, free time, and I'm sure they want to be back with their, their families, their friends, watching Netflix and not dealing uh, with, we not killing civilians and, and freezing their, their balls off out in, in, uh, in the Ukrainian planes there. But we don't know exactly what is happening. Um, I, I don't know why Ukrainian air uh, and missile defense that are still, luckily still intact. I don't know why they're not targeting that convoy. Maybe they have intelligence that the convoy has no interest in moving, so they won't don't want to engage them. I really don't know. Uh, but it's good news that that's not that it ha that hasn't moved yet. Um, some other good news: we've also seen over fifty thousand Ukrainians who fled the country or who were not not in the country when this all went down. They have returned home to fight for uh, their home country of Ukraine. Uh, even though most of them have no combat, no previous combat experience, they're still willing to risk their lives. You know, I was telling my uh, fiance, if I was a former military personnel from the U.S., I would feel 
obligated to go and help based on my training. I, I do not have any training. Um, so I would probably be more of a detriment than, uh, you know, assistance over there. So I'm not going, but we have seen over 16 reports of over 16,000 foreign soldiers that have volunteered to fight on behalf of Ukraine. And it's not just all soldiers, but it's foreigners in general. Most of them do have military experience, but we're seeing people from the United States, from the UK, from Japan, uh, essentially saying they're essentially going into we're heading over to Ukraine to try to help them. We've seen millions of bullets pour in. We've seen thousands and thousands of, of stingers and javelins to help take down aircraft and to help um, and help destroy tanks. Uh, I think the t the, one of the reasons that the, the tanks are moving relatively slowly is because of those resources. I think uh, the reason that they have that Russia has not been able to establish air superiority up to this point is because um, those stingers and javelins are 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 very helpful at knocking down um, those at knocking down those planes and those helicopters and, uh, and and destroying those tanks. We've seen reports of dozens and dozens and dozens of helicopters, planes, tanks, armored vehicles being destroyed. They are sustaining significant losses and they cannot continue to do so at this rate for a long period of time. Not to mention they, they're going to run out, especially that northern convoy, they're going to run out of supplies. They're going to run out of fuel. The southern one, they can probably... Um, they can probably refuel those if they're able to catch capture Odessa because they can refuel through Crimea. They can refuel um, through those Russian warships that are going down along the Black Sea to try to to make um, you know to drop anchor and and, and to dock and, and at the port city there of Odessa. So, but I still think that that southern uh, invasion force could take weeks, if not months, to actually move all the way up to Kiev to help surround. Um, to help, to help surround the capital, and that's if uh, things progress as they are and things don't get worse for them, which I do think the while the Ukrainians are going to continue to suffer mainly from uh, artillery uh, shellings, I do think that the R Russian forces are going to continue to suffer significant losses as well. Uh, you, uh, last bit of uh, good news before we get into some of the uh, uh, the Russians did have a pretty major uh, win over the overnight, unfortunately, it was an extremely terrifying win uh, as well. Uh, but I do want to just hit on another piece of good news to kind of uh, piggybacking off of what I've been saying up to this point. Ukrainian defense forces have killed Russian Major General Andrei Sukhajovsky in combat earlier this week, according to Ukrainian officials and Russia media. Um, the circumstances of the 47-year-old's death remain unclear, but the Kremlin-backed Pravada said he was killed during a special operation in Ukraine. According to Russia's state-owned TASS news agency, Russian President Vladimir Putin appointed uh, Sajovsky, uh, deputy commander of the 41st Combined Army arms army of the central military district last year. He was also the head of the seventh airborne division. He had served in Syria and received two commendations for bravery from the Kremlin. So it was a, he's a, he's a pretty major, um, literally a major general, uh, for them, a, a major commander and, and military leader that it's never good when your leaders go down, especially when the morale is already low and, uh, you're not, you're not really, you don't already feel unified behind that leader. The fact is quote, the fact is we killed him Vladimir Omilan, Ukraine's for, former minister of infrastructure who has joined the militia in Kiev told Fox news digital on Thursday. Uh, so a lot of things happening that are really good for the Russians, or I should say for the Ukrainians, a lot of supplies coming in, Russia's really struggling, uh, but that artillery, they are really are leveling um, significant portions of the country, and they are taking over uh, large swaths of um, the, the northeastern region, the southern region, um, 
to some t- pretty terrifying effects. One of the big stories coming out of Ukraine uh, this morning was that the staff at the, I'm sure I'm going to butcher this, the Zaporziza nuclear power plant, I'm sure I, I, I didn't pronounce that correctly, I apologize, in Indahar sent a message to Ukrainian media and government authorities warning that Russian troops took over the nuclear power plant. Um, they were trying to lay down explosives in order to blackmail the whole of Europe. Quote, they will be trying to mine the nuclear power plant and blackmail all of Europe. The nuclear power plant employees wrote in a message early Friday morning as the Russian troops attacked the plant. A director general of the Ukrainian Independent Information News Agency, uh, Agency of News, I should say, provided Fox News this translation early in the morning. Uh, they attacked the power plant. Uh, Kardovsky attacked the power plant. Another message reads, currently there is a battle between them and the National Guard of Ukraine. That is, that is the group that is doing this for sure, though, they say. That term refers to soldiers that look like the forces of Chechen President uh, Ramzan Kadrov. Uh, <laughs> I apologize for all of the um, mispronunciations and, and butchering of these names. Uh that has been it's been hard the hardest part of the coverage for me other than uh, seeing the atrocities on the ground has been trying to pronounce all these Russian and Ukrainian names all are very similar and all are very difficult to pronounce many Chechens are fighting in Putin's army uh, according to a number of reports um, Fox News Digital was informed that Ukrainian officials fear that the Russians can use this fact that they control the nuclear power plant to organize pressure on Ukraine they can use that station uh, like a big hostage the workers warned that they are putting explosives material near the building of the nuclear plant to provide pressure on the Ukrainian army people. Well, if they blow up that plant, it's going to have um, horrific ramifications, the, the likes of which we've never seen. The plant is far larger than that of Chernobyl, and we know how that played out uh, for the Europe and Ukraine and the, and the Soviets in the in the world. Um, it's still not safe to that happened you know decades and decades ago, and it's still not safe to breathe the air around Chernobyl. Not sure uh, if they really want to. I mean, if they really want to take control of this country and run the country, I'm not sure how that's going to help them in any way. Maybe they could try to, to leverage it and say, we're going to do this if you don't, you know, surrender. But the Ukrainians are not going to surrender. We know what surrender looks like, and, it, and it's not pretty. So I don't really th- – I mean, this could be very dangerous, and it's very scary. Though I do not think that it's actually uh, – it's not going to change anything as far as the the way the, the war is progressing. They could cause devastation. Um, I just don't see the, the upside of that. Uh, so Putin has officially gone nuclear in a sense. Uh, if, if, if they are actually going to threaten a nuclear explosion uh, via this power plant, um, so I mean, if, nu- if Putin is threatening nuclear war against uh, one of our allies or just nuclear war in general, the United States and NATO would have to get involved. I would think um, if, if a country, you know, Article Five has to be triggered. Uh, I would think if nuclear war is, is is being placed on the table and is being threatened. Not sure which is which is interesting because he's threatened nuclear war already. So I'm not really sure if this would be enough if they blew this up or they threatened to blow, blow this up. If it would be enough to get the West involved, it seems unlikely. Uh, we are a nation of cowards, and Europe is are, is full of nations is has a bunch of nations of cowards as well. At least the people running the countries are cowards. They don't want to get involved. They want to sit on the, the sideline and just throw money at the problem and and goods at the problem. Hope that's going to solve the issue, um, but it's certainly not. We we need to get involved. We need uh, we need to put troops on the ground. We need to tell Putin at the very least. We need to say if you do not stop this, we are going in and we are going to crush you like the bug that you are. But they're too afraid to do that. Uh, they're too afraid of. Um, they're too afraid of nuclear war, I think, but he's already threatening nuclear war. He might already implement a nuclear tactic here via this power plant. Not to mention, 
if Putin threatens nuclear war, threaten nuclear war right back. Like, let's go, bitch. Let's let's fight. Like, we have far more nukes than Russia. We have far superior capabilities of knocking down and 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 disabling nukes that are shot at us. Yeah, we, we there would be some there would be some Americans that would die most likely. In fact, there would probably be millions of Americans that would die if we went to nuclear war, um, possibly. But we would wipe out all of Russia and, and especially Putin. So I don't think uh, it would make any sense for uh, for him to do that. I don't think he's ever going to go nuclear unless he is just ready to commit suicide and wants to take as many people with him. Which, in case, he would do that no matter what. But he clearly is. I mean, I don't think he's crazy in the sense that he's lost his mind. I think he's he's crazy in the sense that he doesn't. He's a sociopath. He doesn't care about, um, or really a psychopath. He doesn't care. He doesn't have emotions. He doesn't care about human beings or people. Um, but I think he's also very cold and calculated. He's no, he knows what he's doing. He has ambitions. He does not just want to drop dead or blow himself up or blow up the world. He wants to, um, he wants to increase his sphere of influence and power, uh, particularly there in Europe and bring Russia back to greatness. Russia being destroyed and crippled and, and, and uh, left and, uh, you know, and uh, left basically brought to ashes. That's not going to uh, solidify his legacy in any uh, significant way. So he's not going to do that. I don't think nuclear war is not on the table, which is why we should get involved and we should just go, you know, I'm ready for kinetic uh, warfare against Biden, shoot down Russian planes, blow up Russian tanks, uh, threaten to do this because, and, and he'll back down because if the United States got involved in this, we would wipe out all of Russian's forces in probably a couple of days. Uh, we are, we are, we are the biggest badasses on the block. We are we have a much better military than Russia. Uh, and, that, and and that's um, and I'm putting it lightly. Uh, they, I, I actually watched the movie Darkest Hour last night. Uh, before, I sit up late and got my Winston Churchill on, drank drank some whiskey, uh, and, and and watched the movie. It was it was an incredible performance by Gary Oldman. Um, but it just showed how incredible of a human being and leader that Winston Churchill was. And, and I'm being very and there's been a lot of comparisons between Winston Churchill and Zelensky. Uh, essentially. Um, Winston Churchill was, you know, he rose to the prime ministership when uh, essentially the Nazis had taken control of all of Europe except for the UK. So it was basically he, Hitler had taken all of Europe, and then there was this island of Great Britain, and then they're like, "Here you go, buddy, try to try to win the war." Um, and he was not backing down. In fact, there were a lot of I, I mentioned cowards uh, earlier. Joe Biden's a coward. Kamala Harris is a coward, um, and and most people calling the shots in this country are very unserious, cowardly people, and. It reminded me of uh, there's one character I, I apologize I don't remember his name he was one of he was on Winston Churchill's uh, war council he was a, he was a major politician there in Great Britain at the time um, very close to Neville Chamberlain the former prime minister the prime minister that preceded uh, Winston Churchill. And he wanted to sue for peace. He wanted to lay down arms. He wanted to go to the negotiating table. He wanted to um, he wanted to surrender to the Nazis and basically pray that they would give them, um, uh, you know, give them what a, a good, uh, you know, that the peace terms would be agreeable. But uh, why would the peace terms be agreeable? Uh, not the Nazis were extremely powerful, far more powerful than the, than, than the UK. They had already taken all of Europe and no one had stopped them. No one had really stood up to them the way we're not really standing up to, um, to Putin, and so they weren't going to give them fair terms or even somewhat agreeable terms. In fact, Winston Churchill was quoted in the movie saying, "You can't negotiate with a tiger when the tiger already has your head in its mouth. It's not going to negotiate with you. Just like you don't want to, just like you wouldn't negotiate with Putin, just like you wouldn't negotiate at that point with Hitler if you actually had some balls." Um, and he didn't, and they, and they, he didn't negotiate. He stood up, he fought, he rallied the people around him, he got the United States to help out, um, and eventually, and uh, they ended up winning. We ended up winning 
between World War II. And it, it, it reminds me, there's a lot of comparisons because you have a lot of cowards on this side who are trying to, they want to, they don't want to get involved in a war. They don't want to get involved in violence, even though it's already happening, even though we're already involved. And um, they just want to sue for peace, even though you can't, again, negotiate with a tiger when it has its, your head in its mouth. And that's exactly what these people are calling, are, are, are wanting are wanting Zelensky to do, and, that, and, and that's why they don't want to get involved. And you even saw in the movie, um, of course, and it happened in real life, uh, Churchill is, is begging, is asking, demanding for assistance from the United States. And the United States is like, we'll put some, we'll put some forces, or, you know, we'll put some mach machinery up in Canada, and if you can go get the, that machinery out of Canada, then that, you know, we'll help you in that way. So the United States does not want to get involved. The United States has a history of not wanting to get involved in these conflicts because they don't want, they don't want Americans to die. They don't want to they spend, they don't want to, to spill blood and treasure in foreign lands. But what happens is the situation, just like in World War II, we didn't want to get involved for those exact reasons. The world, the war got out of, more and more and more out of control. And then what did we have to do? We had to storm the beaches of Normandy, and and we and we suffered, you know, immeasurable losses. And um, and we and far fewer Americans would have died if we had gotten involved in that conflict much sooner. That's what's going to happen here. This is just going to get worse and worse, and eventually the United States is going to have to get involved, and we're going to end up being in a much weaker position when we get involved at that point than if we had gotten involved really before this even happened, but certainly before we actually will get involved. So it's just really interesting to see how the United States has has, has kowtowed to dictators before, how we've had cowards leading us before who didn't want to get involved, and, and, and we still have that. This is why you cannot elect unserious, uh, um, and really just Democrats in general, to the presidency, because when shit actually hits the fan, you want an adult in the room, and uh, you, but you also want an adult who cares about human beings. You want an adult who actually has two brain cells left together, who's not riddled with dementia, and who actually has a backbone and will stand up to evil people. And that's not what we have in, uh, in Joe Biden, unfortunately. So uh, Joe Biden, he responded to the, the Russian attack on that nuclear power plant. Uh, according to the statement from the White House, President Biden spoke with Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky on Thursday evening, receiving an update on the fire at the facility, Biden joins Zelensky in, quote, urging Russia to cease its military activities in the area and allow firefighters and emergency responders to access the site. Oh, well, if Joe Biden said that Russia, you know, Russia needs to, to give up the site, then I guess they're going to do it. Uh, he said, please and thank you. So, I mean, I guess Putin is going to, uh, his soldiers are going to lay down their arms. Like, maybe, maybe if he just says, please end the war, maybe maybe the war will be over then, right? Um, but of course, that's not going to happen. You can't just, you can't reason with these people. You can't talk with these people. The only thing a bully understands is, is a punch in the face. And uh, Putin is a bully and he's getting away with what he, what he wants to do. And so I don't see uh, us responding in any real way. Um, the United States government activated the nuclear incident. Uh, response team in response to Russia's attack on the nuclear facility there in Ukraine. However, the U.S. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm also revealed that the reactors at the facility are safely being shut down. Hopefully, that is the case because we obviously do not want to see another uh, Chernobyl or you know uh, even worse uh, Chernobyl type uh, situation go down there. I just spoke to the Ukraine's energy minister about the situation. Russian military operations near the plant are reckless and must cease. Oh, well, then I guess it's over. If you ask nicely, I guess these evil dictators and murderers and thugs are going to just do what you want. If someone robs you at gunpoint, I guess you just say, please don't do this. Then they're just going to not take your wallet. Like, that's ridiculous. We have to go in with force. We have to stand up to them. We're actually activating our nuclear response team, and we're not going to get involved in the conflict. If our nuclear response team is, is been, um, has been activated, 
how, how are we not involved in the war? We are involved. If, if we're having to do mil make military decisions over here because of what's going on in this war, we're in the war, obviously. But again, they, they just want to let this get worse and worse and worse until um, the situation is, comp is entirely uh, untenable. And then at that point, we will get involved and, and be, like I said, from, coming from a, a much weaker position. Um, and I, unfortunately I think it's, it's just going to continue to get worse. And, and I don't know how long I mentioned, I, I kind of focused on this significantly in yesterday's show. I don't know how long the American people are going to be willing to sit by and, and watch this happen. Maybe they'll just block it out. It'll be something like the weather. It's like, Oh, what's going on in the wet, the weather today, what's going on in Ukraine today. And they just stop caring about it if it really drags out. But if you continue to see these images of, of women, crying, of babies crying, of children being murdered in the streets. I don't know how long they're going to put up with that. And even just the devastation of the buildings is is really, I think, having an emotional toll on viewers. Uh, I mean, we I saw some aerial shots of Ukraine yesterday, and it, it's just not, it's not even a country anymore. It's, it's basically, or it's like a third world country. It's, you know, it used to look like um, what you would see in Austria or maybe Germany. And now it looks like it is uh, Afghanistan or Iraq. A Ukrainian member of parliament is warning that cities like Kiev will be the next Aleppo unless the West steps up and backs its vocal support of Ukraine with significantly more action than it has already taken to combat the Russian forces. In an interview with uh, Fox News Digital, and the member of parliament said that more than 2,000 civilians have been killed, at least. I'm sure that the number is just climbing by the minute. Um, she says it's a disaster. Kharkiv is in ruins. And this is the this was the second biggest city in Ukraine with 2 million, po uh, 2 million population. It's literally in ruins, she said. Aleppo, one of Syria's largest cities, was largely destroyed in the country's civil war nearly a decade ago. But unfortunately, Biden just doesn't really seem to care. He doesn't seem to care if the cities are destroyed. He doesn't seem to care if countries are destroyed. He doesn't care that the West and democracy are under attack. He doesn't care that thousands of innocent civilians are being murdered. He doesn't care about the images of dead children lying in the streets, having their limbs blown off, lying there with no legs as their their parents weep over their, over their mangled uh, corpses. He just doesn't seem to care. I mean, we already knew that the left doesn't care about children. We knew that you know, that because they, they love killing children. They love abortion. Uh, they loved muzzling children with face masks, even though kids were not spreading COVID or dying from COVID. They don't care about children. We already knew that, but it's still shocking to me that these images coming out of Ukraine um, are not resonating with Joe Biden because I know they are resonating with the American people. I know people are going to eventually um, want to this to end. I, I, you know, every time I talk to my mom about this, she just says she's, she's heartbroken. She's sick to her stomach. She's, she's had even, she's even cried over, over the situation. It really is sad. And I, I just, I don't think it's going to be able to last if, if this continues down this road and I don't see it ending in any way. It looks like, um, unless Putin just levels the country, this is going to be a very long, bloody, drawn out conflict that is even going to dis, uh, de degrade into, um, into urban guerrilla warfare, which is certainly going to result in many, many, many dead people. But Biden, I mean, he, it's obviously he doesn't care because he's done the bare minimum. He really hasn't done anything at all other than what European, what the European countries have done. He just followed their lead and kind of let them handle it and just kind of backed them up and supported them. He's barely even released statements on this. Um, and he, he's not even, he's not actively trying to, he's just, he, he hasn't even sanctioned Putin directly. He hasn't sanctioned the energy sector there in Russia. So he hasn't even done the bare minimum, financially speaking. And he, and mil, military, uh, you know, militarily, he, uh, he hasn't done anything. We haven't, you know, we've sent some troops into to Germany. Great. Well, Germany's not under attack right now. Ukraine is. 
buddy. Um, so he, he really cared. He would be trying to end the war. He would be out there making statements. He'd be making statements from the Oval Office. He just doesn't care. I wouldn't be surprised if by 1 o'clock this afternoon he goes – he, he takes his, his weekend. He, I'm sure he's not. He's going to leave the White House. He's not even going to be in the Oval Office or at the White House. He, he's going to take a long weekend vacation like he always does. We'll maybe see him back in the White House around noon on, or 11 a.m. on Monday. He, he just is not a serious leader, probably because he's 1,000 years old, and he just doesn't care about anyone but himself, which is really unfortunate. When Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky was asked by Fox News' Trey Yingst Thursday about the conversations he's had with Biden overall and the support, uh, Zelensky said, quote, it's a pity it began after the beginning of the war, but now we have it. Uh, yeah, it would have been really nice if Biden could have supported uh, Zelensky and the Ukrainian people before the conflict broke out. Um, and now he's really not even, he's barely supporting them to this point. It's American citizens. It's American civilians. It's it's contractors. It's the, the And then it's the Europeans that are really getting involved in this and helping out. Joe Biden is sitting on his hands. Joe Biden, the, the world's going to crap and Joe Biden's taking a nap. And it's really, really disheartening. But I, this is exactly what I would expect from Joe Biden. He's a piece of shit. He's not a good leader. He doesn't care about anyone but himself and his own power and his own legacy. He doesn't want to get involved. He believes he's the smartest guy in the room. He believes that we should not uh, get involved. And he's not, no one's going to be able to change his mind on that because he knows best. Grandpa knows. Uh, I mean, like I said, it really is frustrating. Um, he, and it's it's crazy because he is, there's a lot of despicable people in the Democratic Party, but he's clearly the worst because he's one of the only major figures in the Democratic Party who is not saying we need to, at the very least, ratchet up the sanctions. The Biden administration on Thursday appeared to split from its party after it said blocking Russian oil imports was not in the strategic interest as Moscow pummels uh, Ukrainian cities. Um, how is it not in his strategic interest? Don't we want the war to end? So why wouldn't we want to prevent the oil imports? For, uh, why wouldn't we want to prevent uh, that from happening? Why would we want to be funding the, their war? Now, the nice thing is a lot of these p private companies are no longer doing business with Russia. So they, their energy sector is being hit somewhat, um, but it should be... Uh, some, at the very least, you want to, to. We should require them to get on board. Um, I'm not sure if there, are, how many uh, uh, U.S. companies are still doing business with Russia. I'm sure there's some, a few, but we should eliminate that. We don't want there to be any. We we need if we're going to try to, uh, you know, if we're going to try to suffocate them out via economic sanctions, we need to eliminate all the oxygen in the room, not just some of it. Otherwise, they're going to be able to continue to stay afloat. And um, but Joe Biden, for some reason, just won't come out and say. Yeah, we're gonna we're, we're gonna not buy anything from them anymore, uh, because he he doesn't he, you know because I don't know he he doesn't I guess he just doesn't really care about ending the war. Um, also, I think he knows that we need that he, because he shut down the Keystone Pipeline because they've stopped fracking and drilling and they've prevented um, you know the maximum amount of oil production here in the U.S. Then he knows that he needs that oil to keep. The, the gas tanks, um, you know, the, the gas prices from exploding and he's already being blamed for high gas prices. And that's kind of the problem. You get, when you have shitty policies that are really hurting your country and you weaken your country's position and, and, uh, um, and you weaken the country's, uh, you know, tactical abilities to respond to these things because of how, uh, much the country's struggling. Then once a real conflict comes up, you're just, you're completely unprepared for it. Um, Earlier in the week, GOP, GOP senators introduced legislation that would bar the U.S. from importing any Russian oil. In response to the assault on Thursday, West Virginia's Democratic Senator Joe Manchin said that he and Alaska Republican Senator Lisa Markowski had garnered support on both sides of the aisle for a separate bill that would seek similar Russian oil bans. Quote, I'm all for that. Ban it. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi even told reporters on Thursday. 
Um, though she added that she would not support the move in re- to reopen drilling on federal land. Whatever. At least that's a step in the right direction, even though it is a little bit ignorant on her part. We should be, um, be, be we should become energy independent. Her policy is just going to make gas prices go up, but at least it's and it's going to hurt Americans, but at least it's going to hurt the Russians too. I'm hoping that um, the, the Democrats and the Republicans of bipartisan support and even uh, Bill uh, would will force Biden into doing the right thing because you, we know he's not going to do the right thing on his own accord. Even Elizabeth Warren uh, doesn't want to buy oil from Russia. Now, um, so I, I have to imagine, I mean, of course, she doesn't want to buy oil at all. She wants everything to be green, which is just unrealistic. Um, but looks like, I, so I don't know. We'll see what Biden caves. He likes to stick to his guns, not literal guns, because that's what actually would help here. That's what the Ukrainians actually need are guns and, and military support from the U.S. Um, but he likes to just stick to his guns and like I said, he's very stubborn and old, and and if he think gets something in his mind, he's he's not going to. Uh, it's very unlikely he's going to switch his his uh, position. Uh, Fox News White House correspondent Jackie Heinrich uh, challenged Jen Psaki Pasaki, excuse me, during Thursday's briefing, uh, asking why are we financing the war? Uh, as long as we're buying Russian oil, though, aren't we financing the war? Heinrich asked. Well, Jackie, again, it's only about 10% of what we're importing. I've not made any announcement about the decision on that front. Okay, great. Yeah, we know that. We know the breakdown of the imports. We know only about 10% of our oil that we consume here in the U.S. comes from Russia. But that means we're still buying oil from them. We're still sending them money. So I don't... So. Yes, so she's literally admitted we are in fact funding the the war because from buying their their oil and and yeah, I mean that's just it's really um, it's really sad. I mean, would we have bought would we have bought tanks from Hitler back in the day when he was taking over Europe? Like I don't think so. Like why it doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, and, uh, and even liberal politicians, pretty much everyone except Joe Biden, is against the the oil for, coming in from Russia. The uh, liberal politicians and media pundits have also suggested that America should defund Russian energy industry by purchasing oil from Iran. So some of the people who are even getting on board, at least they want to block out Russia and not buy uh, not buy oil from Russia, but then they want to buy it from the leading uh, terrorist state and leading exporter of terrorism in the entire world. The Iranians are far are they're not as powerful as Russia, but they're just as evil. Um, and they do and they come at this from a religious standpoint, which almost makes them even more um, disturbing and, and, and terrifying. Uh, buy, stopping buying oil from Russia and then buying oil from Iran, that's like breaking that's like you're dating a serial killer and you break up with them and then you start dating a serial rapist. It's it, it's not any it's really not any better. And it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why we would ever want to do that. Uh, Senator Bill Cassidy is calling for Operation Warp Speed, uh, a type, uh, you know, a similar project to how we got the vaccines green lit and rolled out so quickly. He says we need an Operation Warp Speed on how we permit energy projects. That's absolutely true. If we can create a miracle drug that uh, essentially, well, the, the vaccines really don't work very well. Um, but the, the fact that they were able to create a vaccine that helped at all in such a short period of time and distributed it to anyone in the world or the country who wanted it, that's very impressive. And we can do that with oil. We can um, we can open up public lands for drilling. We can provide tax breaks for tax breaks for people who uh, want to um, to drill and open up uh, you know new refineries. We can stop the uh, we can open up the Keystone Pipeline. We can stop the the import of Russian oil. There's so many things we can do, and uh, we have the ability to do it. We just they they have no interest because it's against their beliefs. Uh, Luke Oil, one of the largest oil companies in Russia, is calling Thursday for Russian President Vladimir Putin to end the armed conflict in Ukraine. Luke Oil's board of directors expresses its concern over the ongoing tragic events in Ukraine and its deepest sympathies for those affected by the tragedy. The company said, "We urge a speedy cessation, uh, I should say, cessation of the armed conflict, and fully support the resolution through the negotiation process." So, even. 
even a number of uh, Russian oligarchs, a number of Russian companies are coming out and saying, we need to end this. We don't want to do this. Um, and, and it's really, um, you know, it's really a, a major move. It shows that a lot of the, the Russian people really are behind this. You've seen almost 10,000 people, Russians, uh, who have been uh, protesting in the street be locked up, even though they could be facing 15 to 20 years in prison or worse. Um so I just think we, that's what we need to do. We do need to keep putting pressure on them. The Russian people are never going to be able to overthrow Zelensky, or I should say Putin. We, we, we should have CIA people on the ground talking, chirping in the ears of some of those generals. Hey, this Putin guy's a little crazy. This war could get bad. We're, you're you're going to be broken. You're going to end up being killed, and all your men are going to die, and, and things are going to be bad, and Putin might take it out on you. Why don't you overthrow Putin, and, and then we'll put you in charge, and, and, and we'll take it from we'll go from there. And, see, and, and I think we can certainly uh, come to a pretty good agreement. We should be working to overthrow the government. The CIA, for better or worse, has overthrown a number of governments in South America. And um, like I said, for better or worse, but we certainly have the capabilities of doing that. I hope things are happening behind the ground, but hoping that the, the, the Ukrainians are just going to be able to fight them back or that the Russian soldiers give up or that the Russians overthrow Putin. It's, that's not a strategy. You're, that's just a hope and a prayer, honestly. Um, Ukraine and Russia have been negotiating for peace. Um, but I don't think that's never going to happen. We know what peace looks like. Uh, Putin would want the entire, entire Ukrainian army destroyed. He would want complete control of Ukraine. And he wants Zelensky's head on a, on, on a pike or at least in prison for the rest of his life. Never going to happen. They also, But they did agree to a safe quarter for civilians to leave and for, for supplies to be brought in. So essentially there's going to be a, uh, you know, a supply line and a civilian um, and a refugee uh, exit. Uh, line out of the country, allegedly. I just don't trust them. If they're they're already murdering civilians, why why would they stop murdering civilians? You're just gonna tell them where the civilians are so they can better target them. They want to crush the the will and the soul of the of the Ukrainian people so they give up and, and they surrender. So they're going to target civilians. And uh, I don't think so. I don't trust this at all. Also, why would they want them to be able to bring supplies in and 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 wage this this conflict even longer and draw this out even even further? That doesn't make any sense from a strategic standpoint for the Russians. They don't the Russians don't benefit at all from that. So it doesn't make sense. Uh, Zelensky is still calling for a meeting for peace. Uh, he says Putin, he wants to be Putin in person. He says, quote, I don't bite. What are you afraid of? Any words are more important than shots. I, I don't know why he's pushing for peace. I guess he, I guess peace is better than war. Um, but he has to know, right, that, that, that the peace is never going to um, materialize based on what Putin wants. I think the reason he's is calling for peace is saying, look, I want this to end. I'm the good guy. He is refusing peace. He's refusing to be reasonable. Everyone blame him. World unite around me. I think that is why he's doing it. Um, they say uh, on and on Thursday they said um, they are were working on a ceasefire fire deal to, be, to, to construct a humanitarian quarter. I just don't see that uh, coming to fruition because of the fact that they've been shelling civilians and because of Putin's history and because of what he just said to the French president Emmanuel Macron. They spoke for ninety minutes on the phone uh, on Thursday. The uh, the official at the French. Uh, um, uh, presidential palace said Putin told Macron the conflict would continue until the end unless negotiations meet his terms. I already told you what his terms are, which are completely untenable. Putin said negotiations must center on the neutralization and disarmament of Ukraine. Yeah, that's after seeing Russia attack them and invade them. That's exactly what Ukrainians want to do is get rid of their army. Yeah, that's never going to happen. Um, 
Also, an aide to Macron separately told the AFP the French leader believes the worst is to come. Of course it is. The worst is to come, and Putin told him the worst is to come. So this is going to get much more violent, much more bloody. More civilians are going to die. So I don't believe in the corridor. I don't believe in peace. I don't believe in suing for peace. I don't believe that this is going to get better. And if Americans refuse to get involved, we're just sacrificing the American people. We're saying we don't give a shit if millions of people lose their homes. We don't give a shit if hundreds of thousands of people are murdered in cold blood. We don't want to get involved. We're not getting involved. Screw them. That's basically what we're saying. Um, and it's, it's, it's really, really unfortunate. A European official told Fox News on Thursday that Russia's Federal Security Service, their intelligence branch, has drafted plans to conduct public executions in Ukrainian cities once they've been captured. Yeah, that's really going to make the Ukrainians want to lay down their arms. That's really going to make the people of the world not want to get more involved is when they start seeing public executions in the, in the town square. Yeah, that's going to go really well for Russia. Um, but the good news is they, they are start there. Like I said, there, there have been some really good developments in the favor of the Ukrainians. I just, I'm worried it won't be enough. And we, and I know we're not doing enough, but some good things, some good things are happening. Um, some developments have indicated that Russia is losing the information war at home. Rebecca Koffler, a former defense intelligence agency officer, told Fox Digital that it might be a bit of a stretch to say that Russia is clearly losing the information war, but signs indicate there is definitely trouble. Quote, a few days ago, the official Russian censorship agency came out with a warning to all media outlets that said only trustworthy sources are allowed to be used when reported on a special military operation. If you don't do what we, uh, if you don't do that, we will take you off the air. They're saying they're going to put prisoner, uh, put um, news stations or people who are saying things they disagree with on air in prison for up to 15 years. Uh, this led to uh, the closure of two independent news networks, including Daz TV, known as in English as Rain TV. So a number of people who are running. Um, a lot of the a lot of the journalists over there have fled the country. A lot of citizens are fleeing the country because they're worried about being forced into um, fighting this war as well. And the reason they're shutting down these news organizations is because reports are getting back to the Russian people on what's happening, and they're very unhappy. Russians do not want their brothers and sisters, their sons and daughters, to die because of this conflict. They don't even want the Ukrainians to die, but they especially don't want their own Russian blood to be spilled. And that's what's happening in pretty, um, in a pretty significant way. Natalia Vasilinva, uh, a reporter working for the Telegraph, said on Twitter Thursday that she received a phone call from Ukrainian number. Um, it was uh, President Zelensky. He says, "Hi, my I'm Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. My country has never attacked yours. I'm asking you to take your sons back." Exactly. This is the message. This is not. This is Putin's fault. This is not uh, Ukraine's fault. Ukraine does not want this. Zelensky does not want this. The world does not want this. Only Putin wants this. And uh, like I said, the Russian people don't even want this. And th they're making sure to hammer that message home. And, and, and the Russians are starting to get a little upset, uh, are starting to get very upset with what's happening. That's why they're trying to censor this. But it it's, uh, can be a little difficult if you know how to um, to use a computer really well, and, and especially when the journalists are doing their jobs. But the information crackdown is only going to become more severe there, and it's going to start to get hard. But I think when they see everything being shut down and cracked down on, they know the situation is deteriorating. Russian citizens have reported started, started to flee the country because Putin is rumored to announce martial law. That's another information front that they're losing on. Um, if Russians are fleeing the country, that's obviously not a good side for Putin. Earlier this week, Russian officials censorship, the Russia official censorship body issued guidance telling news networks to use only trusted sources. 
Um, let's see. Da, 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 the, the person who is running Dawes TV or Rain TV has fled the country. We have confirmed that. And Russian citizens have broadly started to panic at, as the Duma, Russia's governing body, meets Thursday to lay out new legislation that may allow it to conscript anyone arrested for protesting the invasion, a number that stood over 8,000 as of Thursday according to independent watchdogs. Yeah, because make forcing, so, you, so you're taking people who are all protesting the war and that's who you're going to make fight for you. I don't think, uh, I don't think they're going to be very good uh, soldiers. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. But the fact that the, even the Russian people are wanting to get out of their own country, obviously not a good sign for Putin. So Biden has continuously failed to lead on this, and I think I've made that abundantly clear. And he really is only ever in the he pretty much is still hiding in his basement. That's his strategy. It worked as a as you know campaigning, but it doesn't work when you're actually trying to govern. So he's really only ever in the news when something when shit's hitting the fan. To be honest with you. While on the other hand, Ron DeSantis continues to be the anti-Biden. He basically continues to be the exact opposite of what Biden does. He's a proactive leader. He's, he's not a reactive leader. He doesn't follow from behind. He puts his money where his mouth is, and he actually governs the way he says he's going to. A lot of times, politicians use a lot of lip service, and they get into office, and they don't do any of the things they promise. He is the exact opposite of that. He's doing what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, and he's doing it in the name of the conservative movement, which you have to love. He's one of the only few politicians on either left or the right, who is actually accomplishing anything. And uh, also, you got to love him because he has no issue calling out the media and standing up to the mob. Uh, and the, the, the left and uh, the media and, they, they, and, and Democrats on the ground and, and liberals on the ground, they try to attack, they constantly, they're obsessed with Ron DeSantis, almost as, not as bad as Trump, but they, they, they're really, they really are obsessed with him and they try to, are always attacking him and going after him and criticizing him and all they're doing is elevating him. And all they're doing is making him more famous. He's, he's become the household name because of the media's coverage of him and uh, it always backfires because not only are they raising his stature and profile, but then he responds to what they're saying about him and he's articulate. And he's de he's defiant and and um, and he's and he's clear in his uh, his conservative goals and it just makes people like him more and they see that he's not the monster that they claim. Governor Ron DeSantis fired back Thursday at critics who were upset he told students at a Wednesday school event that they could take their face masks off, referring to them as part of COVID theater. DeSantis included footage of the event in a new video that he tweeted with the caption, quote, the political science show cannot go on. It's a curtain call for COVID theater, which is exactly what it is. The face masks don't work. We all know it. If you're wearing a face mask, it is theater. You're just you're just virtue signaling. You're just trying to engage in moral posturing to say, I am better than you. Or you're just your brain is broken and you're crazy. There's no other explanation for it. His video showed the original interaction between DeSantis and the students, and then cut to the video Tuesday evening, State of the Union address, where almost no one was wearing masks. Quote, don't follow the science, follow the political science, the video continued, showing photos of Democratic Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams without a mask, uh, surrounded by a classroom full of students that were still masked up. The video went on to show Governor Gavin Newsom and Los Angeles Mayor Eric Gar uh, Eric Garrett. I think that's um, I think that's a mistake. I think it's Eric Garcetti. Um, mask free. Uh, you I gotta love it. I love it when I catch typos in uh, in uh, like Fox News and CNN's reports. Mask free at the last two football games of the season and ended with a news update. You know, it's, this has been abundantly clear for a while now. It's evident that these politicians don't actually believe in the mask and they know they don't work because we've seen them not wearing them. Whether it's at football games or at concerts or at restaurants and bars. And the same people who constantly bitch and moan about these face masks and, and people not wearing them, 
they, almost all of them have got busted not wearing a mask. So it's like they want to force everyone else. They want to force this second uh, class of citizens, people who you know do their laundry and their dry cleaning and, and people who uh, serve them. They think those people should, and kids, they think those people should have to wear masks. And DeSantis and, and Americans in general are fed up with this two-tiered class system that we've developed where some people are, are more important and they don't have to wear face masks and some people are less important and they have to. We're over it. We're, it's not, it's not going to be a thing anymore. The only people who are going to keep continuing to wear face masks are the crazies or the people who are forced by their employers to do so, which is uh, st- still more common than it should be. Quote, you don't have to wear those masks. Please take them off. off. Honestly, it's not doing anything. We've got to stop this COVID theater, he said, and the audience laughed. So if you want to wear it, fine, but it, this is ridiculous. So, you know, so they were freaking out because they were saying he forced students, he bullied students into taking off their masks. He literally said, he stated a, he stated a basic fact that face masks don't work. If face masks work, we, then COVID would have been gone years ago. It would have, it would have, we would have, everyone started wearing face masks early on in this and the COVID still spread like crazy and it did so for years and there were multiple variants and people weren't, were, were, were wearing face masks. Even I, who was one of the biggest anti-face mask people in the world, I, there were even, there were times where I would even wear face masks into grocery stores and bars and things like that. So if I was doing it, everyone was doing it. Um, and it still spread because the masks don't work. Um, also, not to mention, he never even said take them take them off. So that's just a that's a straight up lie. He didn't bully them. He even said if you want to wear the face mask, you can. But obviously, they don't work. Um, so I mean, which is the, the second thing that's most the, really maybe the most the thing that's most ridiculous about this. It was some black mom who was bitching to the media saying. He, he he made my kid wear you know he made my kid wear a face mask. I'm I'm upset about it. It's like okay, if you're upset your kid wasn't wearing a face mask, then how come? when you're standing right next to him and while you're doing this interview, you're not wearing a face mask. She literally was not wearing a face mask and she was complaining that her son took off his face mask. So I don't know, what's the disconnect here? Um, like, so like his face mask so good that you don't need one. I'm confused. Why don't you need a face mask? But he does. It's because she's, she thinks she's more important. She's the boss and the, the, the kid has to do exactly what she says. And that's that. But she obviously doesn't care. She's obviously full of shit. She was only doing this because she wanted attention. And I think another big part of it was that she just doesn't like DeSantis. So they, she, saw, they, she saw this as a moment that she could crap on uh, the, the governor of her state uh, because she doesn't like him. I don't know if it's because he's white or if it's because he's a conservative or because he doesn't like mass. I don't know what it is. But she obviously doesn't like him. And uh, she, she, she saw the opportunity to be on TV, to bash him. And she's obviously a hypocrite and she's full of it. So, this, But that's exactly, she's exactly the problem. She's just like uh, Mayor Garcetti. She's just like Gavin Newsom. She's just like, you know, Lori Lightfoot. She's just like the, the litany of people who say we need to wear Ferris face masks and then they don't even do it themselves. So she's, while she's trying to uh, attack, go after DeSantis, she just proves, further proves his point. Um, I don't know what it is with black people and face masks. Anytime I see someone alone, and I would say nine out of 10 times, I see someone alone in a car or I see someone walking down the street wearing a face mask it's almost always a black person. I don't understand it. They're terrified of the vaccine. They won't get vaccinated. Um, COVID's over, but then they, they wear the face mask, even though the face masks don't do anything. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know if it's cause they're dumb. I don't know if it's cause they are trying to signal that they're, they're good people. I don't know if it's cause they're, they're scared and the brains are broken. I don't know what it is, but it seems like it's almost always black people doing this. And it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, but no one's doing no other than crazy people. No one's doing this anymore. Even the NFL announced on Thursday in a memo to all 32 teams that all COVID protocols are being suspended effective immediately. So even, you know, the NFL who are, um, love to kowtow to the left, even they are not doing the face mask anymore. 
Uh, also has some great, a couple great th- bits of news out of um, uh, out of Florida, other than just Ron DeSantis putting these uh, these these mask hawks in their grave. Uh, his wife, he, uh, DeSantis announced on Thursday, is completely cancer-free after on- undergoing treatment for breast cancer. That's really really good news. We love to hear when someone has defeated cancer. We love life. Uh, in you know, a lot of people love life in the United States here, and they particularly love life there in Florida. The Florida State Senate is expected to pass a pro-life 15-week abortion ban, despite a last-ditch effort from Democrats to block and inhibit the legislation. Democratic lawmakers submitted 13 amendments this week to the 15-week abortion ban (HB 5), the Reducing Fetal and Infant Mortality Act, which passed the State House in February and is expected to pass the State Senate Thursday. DeSantis has already signaled that he's going to sign that. Of course he will. Quote, the governor supports pro-life legislation is not responding to outcry from a pro-abortion activist. DeSantis spokesperson said uh, on Thursday, the bottom line is that they're demanding abortion after 15 weeks, which is when the fetus can already feel pain and is near viability. Babies born as early as 20 weeks have survived. The bill, and as the medicine just advances more and more, that number is going to drop lower and lower. The bill, perm- the bill permits exceptions when the mother's life is at risk or in danger of irreversible physical impairment or if the unborn baby has a fetal or, or abnormality such as Down syndrome. Uh, it does not offer exceptions for rape. So I don't love the bill. It's certainly a major step in the right direction, and I will take it. Um, so a lot of times people say, uh, well, you know, a lot of times the liberals are like, oh, well, you know, I'm okay with, uh, you know, I think abortion's okay in the first trimester, but I don't really like it after that. It's like, okay, well, let's ban abortion in the second and third trimester right now. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on board with that. Uh, at least it's a step in the right direction. They say, oh, no, never mind. We don't want to do that. So most liberals actually do support abortion just, you know, on demand. Um, so when they say like, oh, you know, 15, you know, 15 weeks, 18 weeks, 20 weeks, when they, when they start throwing out numbers like that, it's just they don't they don't care, okay? So, um, but this is a good step in the right direction. They should not be allowed to abort the baby for fetal abnormalities like Down syndrome. Down syndrome people deserve to live too. Um, also, it says it permits exceptions for when the mother's life's at risk. You never have to commit. You never have to commit an abortion to save the mother's life. It's that's not a thing. That's a myth pushed by the pro-abortion left. You might have to treat the mother in a way that could kill the baby, but that's not the same as committing an actual abortion. You, An actual abortion, you would be kill the baby, take the baby out of the, the mother, and then you would proceed to treat the mother instead of just treating the mother. You do not need to... So, so the bill is not perfect. It's not great, but it is a really good step in the right direction. Uh, Florida, let's see. Da, 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 on Thursday, protesters... So I, I just want to talk one more time about... Um, I do want to talk a little bit more, one more time and one more story here about Florida. On Thursday, protesters of all ages gathered in Florida's Capitol building with signs, flags, and more as a part of a demonstration against a state bill that would require age-appropriate lesson plans and classroom instruction on topics relating to gender and sexuality while increasing parental rights and curriculum transparency. Critics of the proposal have branded it the, quote, don't say gay bill, claiming it would harm LGBT students and by preventing discussion, making them feel unwelcome and possibly creating an environment of harm at home. Um, how would it create it? So, so they don't say they're just they're so full of it. It's not a don't say gay bill. You can still say you're gay. It's not like you're kicked out of school or or, or anything like that. You're not discriminated against in any way. 
and this and this is pointed out by NPR, which is not a right wing organization by any stretch of the imagination, saying that the bill actually uh, what it does is it prohibits instruction of LGBTQIA plus ZT kindergarten uh, through third for kindergartners through third graders. Um, so basically, you just can't teach kids that you know a boy can be a girl and a girl can be a boy, especially if they're between kindergarten and uh, third grade. Uh, let's see. It also provides parents more transparency by requiring schools to notify them of any change in mental, physical, or emotional well-being and allow schools to opt out of that if they are, if there is a reasonable fear that notifying the parent would result in abuse. Um, so another good, uh, another uh, good step in the right direction. Of course, they're trying to um, criticize it. They're saying, quote, fuck DeSantis and their latest rallying cry. That's, that's very clever and creative. Um, but again, I think it's just they don't like Ron DeSantis. They don't like conservatives. They don't even know what's in this bill. Otherwise, they, they wouldn't actually be upset about it. Or I think there are a few extreme factions of these of this organization, or, you know, the people who are upset, who know what it actually does. It's just that you can't teach and indoctrinate these kids, and that's what they're upset about. They want to be able to teach trans issues. They want to be able to talk about their gay lover. They want to be able to to say that you're um, that you're gay and that you that you're trans, even though you might not be. They want to say that white people are all racist and black people are victims. They want to say and teach these things and indoctrinate these these things into these kids' minds because that's what they believe. Um, but and that's what this bill prevents. So I think some of them are upset about that, but I think most of them just hate conservatives and hate DeSantis and are ignorant and, and say, "Here, don't say gay, don't say gay, Bill. Ah, don't say gay." And that's and that's all they hear and that's all they know, and so they freak out. Uh, couple more uh, things I want to talk about. The University of North Texas has finally sp- responded after a young conservative's Texas event was disrupted Wednesday by black-clad protesters forcing police to hide one conservative student in a closet before escorting her to safety. That's right. I don't know. you. If you are sending, if you are paying to send your kid to college and you're a conservative, you are an idiot. You're wasting your money. You're throwing tens of thousands of dollars, uh, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars down the drain, or you're indebting yourself into for hundreds of thousands of dollars, and you're putting your conservative kids' lives at risk. You're putting their futures at risk, and you're essentially handing them over to these crazy liberals who want to indoctrinate them into their ideologies, who will literally attack and assault police officers and conservatives for simply trying to engage in their First Amendment right of free speech to talk about thing talk about issues that they care about that's what you're signing up for you should not send your kid to public school you should not send your kid to college unt president neil samstrick said in a thursday evening statement that unt police had created a plan to ensure the safety of the event because conversations surrounding the student organization's event which focus on criminalizing health care of transgender children have been contentious the event featured Jeff Younger, a political candidate and father of a young boy whose mother claims the child is transgender. So the mom, against the, son, the, the father's will, is trying to cut off the boy's dick, and he's saying, I, this is not okay, and they want to destroy and attack him and murder him because of that. Um, so that's kind of what, that's the, the background there. These, quote, these actions accumulate, com, uh, culminated with a group of protesters swarming storm, police who were working to safely escort both guest speaker and student organi- organizers off campus. DPS was called to assist uh, with maintaining safety, a group of protesters surrounded the police vehicles containing both the student organizers and their guest and attempted to block their exit from the scene by banging on vehicles and impeding their movement. This has to be a crime. This has to be assault. This has to be trespassing. This has to be assault on, you know, destruction of police property, assault on police officers. The, the, the one officers were being chased with a student and they literally hid in a janitor's closet. She quote, honestly, I was very scared. No shit you were. Um, but of course, we don't we don't arrest uh, Democrats anymore for any crimes. They're allowed to set the streets on fire, burn down buildings, attack courthouses, assault police officers, 
riot, loot, punch people, um, murder people on the street, and, and they just get away with it because you know we, we're a bunch of cowards who are running our, our judicial system, I guess, and, and they just don't care about these things anymore because they support it. They believe conservatives are Hitler, and you know it's okay to punch a Nazi, so it's okay to attack conservatives. This is completely unacceptable. Um, and again, just do not send your kids to public school. Do not send your kids to college. It's just not, it's not worth it. Republican, and then lastly, this is another bit of good news. Republican governor, I should say Republican Iowa governor, Kim Reynolds signed a bill on Thursday banning biological males from women's sports. Quote, this is a victory for girls sports in Iowa. No amount of talent, training, or effort can make up for the, for the natural physical advantages males have over females. It's simply a reality of human biology. Reynolds said in a statement, forcing females to compete against males is the opposite of inclusivity and is absolutely unfair. The move makes Iowa the 11th state in the nation to ban biological males from women's sports. HF2416 protects girls' sports programs at every school level in Iowa, including high school and in college sports. Student-athletes must participate in sports based on the biological sex list on their birth certificate, which is problematic because they're getting to the point where they're gonna, they can change that even though you're, you know, you're male. They're gonna, they're, they'll put in that you're a female if you ask to because of your transness, uh, whatever that is. The bill also requires schools to designate sporting events as either co-ed, male, or female. This is great. I love it. I was an NCAA Division I college athlete. I was a very good swimmer. I was a, pretty much a mid-level swimmer, though. I would say about all, half of the college uh, swimmers were better than me, and about half the college swimmers were worse than me. So I was really right in the middle um, as far as my abilities. If I had competed against the women, though, I would have been winning. I would have won the Olympics every year for you know two decades. Really unfair. Men are men have bigger lungs. Men have bigger hands, bigger feet. They're faster. They they have more muscle. It doesn't matter if you if you put if you put them on freaking hormones and test and uh, estrogen, there's, there, there's still inherent advantages that you can never erase that are genetically ingrained in their bodies. That's why, you know, you dig up a skeleton from thousand years ago, we can tell immediately whether it's a boy or a girl, because there are differences between boys and girls, which is why they should not be competing. Not to mention boys cannot be girls. Girls cannot be boys that they just can't do it. So we should not be allowing this in general. You're still a man. And it's obvious that this is that th these are mediocre athletes trying to take advantage of this and become great female athletes. We know that's what's happening because we know that's what's happening because you only almost always see it's a male going to compete against women. It's almost always the case because that's what gives them the advantage. Um, so glad that Florida's banning abortion. Glad that uh, Iowa has joined the other ten states and has banned male sports, uh, male and female sports. Love, love, love it. At least we're getting some good news um, while dealing with the horribleness in Ukraine. All right, guys, I'm starting a new job on Monday, so I will not be doing this anymore. I had a week and a half off, so that's why I've been doing the podcast over the last week. I do have a new podcast coming that's called Pod of the Dragon. It's going to be a podcast dedicated solely to the Game of Thrones prequel series on HBO, The House of the Dragon, which takes place 300 years before the the the, uh, the circumstances and events in Game of Thrones. Really excited about that. We're going to be reviewing the book Fire and Blood. We're going to... Uh, talk about all the information and news coming off the set and, and post-production, go over uh, some of the things we're excited about, make some predictions, and of course, we're going to be reviewing every episode once the show actually comes out. Not sure when the podcast will be launched because we, we already have a trailer out, but I'm not sure when the podcast will launch because uh, we're not sure when the show is going to come out. I'm betting it's going to be sometime in the fall, September, October, around then, um, and I'll give you more information on that. You also uh, you can find me at Distilled Discussions. We I re we release my, uh, myself and Andy Kleshik, my co-host, release an episode every Monday morning. Um, 
and uh, we review distilleries, whiskeys, things along that line. We get a little tipsy, make some jokes, talk about some of the cool distilleries out there, talk about some of the best whiskeys. You're really going to enjoy that podcast if you're someone who enjoys um, distilleries and in the history of um, some of our distilleries and, and, and whiskey and, and alcohol in general. So please check that out as well. Make sure you share Distill Discussions, Pot of the Dragon, The John Prophet Show on your social media pages. Like re- like us, leave a review, um, sh- uh, share it with your friends. We really do appreciate your support. Have a great week in America and uh, God bless you and, and Godspeed. <laughs>